Welcome to Surviving the Trauma of Abuse, a series of podcasts based on the reality of sexual violence, rape, domestic abuse and the trauma it causes. I'm Garby and yes, I was a victim. Please be warned, this is a serious look at a serious subject, raising awareness of the help available by telling my story, giving advice on how to access that help and one very special organisation that saved my life. Hi and welcome to the latest episode of Surviving the Trauma of Abuse. In this episode I'm going to be talking about the last month, how counselling's been going, what I've learned about myself and continue to learn as I progress through counselling. First though, I want to draw attention to something that caught my eye in the news this month and that is the current situation for victims of abuse who are facing long delays in getting their cases into court. This is something I know about only too well, having reported mine to the police in November of 2017, then due to COVID and various other reasons that I've discussed in previous podcast issues. My case did not actually start in Grand Court until July 2021, some three and a half years after initially reporting. The victims waiting for their day in court, the long delays cause massive amounts of stress and in some cases make the victims feel worthless or not taken seriously and can make them feel even less in control of an awful situation than they already do. Victims of crime and defendants are facing longer waits for justice than ever before. Lawyers and victims have both spoken out about the problem, which has been called unfair for both the accused and victims. In the case of abusers, why are we unfair to them? If they hadn't perpetrated the horrendous crimes to begin with, they wouldn't be facing court. It's this attitude that makes victims feel worthless. When concern is given to the abuser, it diminishes the victim who's already dealing with the trauma of the abuse has caused and does not need to be made to feel any more worthless or guilty than they already do. Something which is never a victim's fault but comes with being part of that cycle of abuse. I know Covid played its part in the backlog of court cases but when you've struggled for over three decades and spoken to nobody about your abuse dealt with it yourself and then reached a point where you know you can no longer carry on without help and support, then finding out it could take another two or three years to get your case into court may seem like nothing after all these years you've been dealing with it alone. But that same delay in getting your case into court also causes delays in the treatment you can receive and the help available to you. As in my case, I could not get any specialist counselling or the EMDR for my PTSD or CPTSD until my case was over in court. Even though I wasn't the criminal, I felt like I was serving the sentence mentally because it hangs over your head. What evidence is going to be put forward by my abuser or his defence team? That's another often asked question for victims. You struggle to move forward with anything because you're constantly thinking, what are they going to say in court? Are they going to believe what I've said? Is this ever going to be over is another question that's regularly asked by victims. 
certainly was in my case, along with, I can't do this anymore. I don't have the strength to carry on. The latest figures released by the Ministry of Justice show the average length of time between a crime being committed and the conclusion of the case was 408 days between April and June. Nearly twice what it was for the same period in 2020. How many cases of sexual abuse in the UK? Approximately 85,000 women and 12,000 men aged 16 to 59 experienced rape, attempted rape, or sexual assault by penetration in England and Wales alone every year. That's roughly 11 of the most serious sexual offences of adults alone every hour. The highest ever number of rapes was recorded by police in the year ending September 2021. A total of 63,136. Only one in 100 rapes reported to police result in a charge. It used to be said many years ago that justice delayed is justice denied. We don't hear that from the government these days because, I'm afraid, they are the ones responsible for this delay. A lack of judges and a lack of sitting days, days when the courts are actually in session and hearing cases, along with Covid being the main reasons for the backlog. London's Independent Victims Commissioner Claire Waxman has warned that the backlog of court cases following lockdown means victims of rape, sexual abuse and violence face years of delay in their fight for justice. Victims of domestic abuse and sexual assault are asking to drop their cases because court delays are so long. And according to a recent report seen by the BBC, and this report was written for the Scottish Government Victims Task Force, it details repeated adjournments and administrative delays, with cases regularly taking two years. This is the first time a report has been put together detailing the concerns of these victims. Fiona McMullen of Assist told the BBC cases which used to take 12 weeks were now taking two years. What you see at court is just the tip of the iceberg, he said. For most of these cases, the abuse has been going on for years before they make a report. This is something we'll be keeping an eye on in the next few months and we'll be reporting more about as we find new sources and stories via the Surviving the Trauma of Abuse blog, which you can find at www.survivingabuse.co.uk Bye then. It's been a month since the last podcast, just over actually, so I thought I'd put together this little episode to just kind of keep you up to date with how things are progressing. Logwise, I'm happy to say that we're starting to gain more followers, 15 new followers for the month of April, so I'd like to say thanks for that and for the support that shows. Also, we've launched a small shop on the site with brand up, branded products available to help show your support. 
All profits from the shop will be split with charities that helped victims of abuse by providing support and services. The shop only sells goods to UK-based customers at the moment, but new products and new shipping areas to the Europe and the USA and the rest of the world are being discussed with our suppliers and couriers and will be added as we reach a suitable solution for delivering to that part of the world. In the UK at the present moment, it's currently at 02.30 in the early hours of another day. So time to grab a quick coffee, and yeah, you guessed it, a fag. And then I'll be back to discuss how my counselling is going so far, what I'm starting to learn about me, and the me I'm becoming, and what is planned for the remaining sessions of my counselling. To you, this will be less than a minute, but in reality it might be quite a while. Ah, the beauty of technology and being able to pick up where you left off. See you in a few. Hi, and welcome back. See, told you I wouldn't be long. In truth, the break took about 40-45 minutes or so. So in the UK now, here, it's heading 0400 in the wee small hours. Whilst I had my coffee, I was writing down things that I wanted to bring up during this episode, so here goes. So, how's counselling been going? Well, the first couple of weeks in April were pretty grim, to be honest. The night terrors were in full swing and causing regular sleepless nights, but... With the new grounding techniques I've now added to my toolbox, I'm starting to win the battle. Having gone from taking over an hour to ground myself and being unable to get back to sleep at the start of this month, to, at the present moment, touch wood, taking 15 to 20 minutes to get grounded and back to reality and being able to go back to sleep which is a massive improvement for me if you've been following this podcast series. One of the things that really helped is my amazing new counsellor, Sam. She does all this as a volunteer, meaning she's also a day job besides being a volunteer counsellor for New Pathways. I find that absolutely fantastic in the sense of how dedicated she is and how much she wants to help people like me on top of having her own daily life and all its struggles. One of the new techniques she taught me was to pick a photograph that I have. One that gives me good thoughts and reminds me of good things, times, people or places and write about it. In my case, that was a photo taken in October 2017. There are four people in it, myself, my wife, our granddaughter and our grandson. It was taken in the clubhouse at the caravan park we regularly took our caravan to. Then she asked me to write down, one, who was in the picture, just the names of the people, two, where and when it was taken, three, a short description of the people in the photo. So in my case, for example, that was something like Garby, 54-year-old former soldier, doorman, pub landlord and business owner, Tired through ill health, sexual abuse survivor. 
then continue along the same lines for everyone in the photo. And in four, describe how that photo makes you feel, what it reminds you of and why it means something to you. Again, in my case, it reminds me what's most important to me and what makes me happy being with my family. Pretty simple, really. When I'd done that, she asked me to then read it back to myself before going to sleep at night and to use it as part of my grounding when the night terror struck and woke me up in the dark, alone and frightened. One thing I will say, if you're going through counselling for sexual abuse, all the trauma caused by, in fact, any type of counselling, then be honest about what happened, how it makes you feel and how it affects you. As that's the only way you can ever work through it. If you're not honest, then it's only you who will suffer and no amount of counselling can help because you'll never get to the root cause of your anxieties and problems without being too able to openly and honestly talk about them in full. And you won't be able to work through them and get to a better place. So please be totally honest. Your session's confidential. It's your safe space to discuss all things related to your trauma and your abuse. And let's face it, you deserve it. Back to the photo. Having written down the things that Sam asked me to write in a notepad that I keep by the side of my bed for when things happen, like I get triggered, or thinking of something I want to discuss in a session with Sam, or even something I want to put in the next podcast. I'll write it down. I read it over to myself before going to sleep that Tuesday evening. I woke with the night terrors about 1.45am, immediately turned on my bedside lamp to help me fight the darkness, did my breathing exercises, which are simple, one, inhale for a count of four, two, hold for a count of four, three, exhale for a count of four, and repeat that four times. We call it the four before before. It's something that Navy SEALs are taught, believe it or not. I picked up the two photos I keep on my bedside cabinet, the one of me and my wife at our son's wedding in 2014, and the one I wrote about earlier that evening, which in turn reminded me about having written that exercise. So, grabbing the pad, I focused on the writing and read it to myself. By the time I'd finished, the shaking had stopped, I was no longer sweating, and my breathing had returned to normal. When I looked at the time, it was now 02.15, meaning it had taken half an hour to ground myself, which was a big improvement, as it had been taking me, as I said, about an hour to get back to reality lately. I was like a dog with two tails, very pleased and happy with this new tool I had to use, and have been using ever since. And although it's only been a few weeks since I added the photo exercise to my toolbox, it's now taking me less than half an hour to get back to reality. Plus, I'm able to go back to sleep afterwards, which is brilliant. And although I still suffer the night terrors, it's not every night now, between two and four times a week. So I'm at last managing some nights with unbroken sleep. That is a massive improvement for me. If you're experiencing any of the things which can be caused by abuse or the associated trauma it causes, and you'd like to try any of the things I've mentioned throughout the series and add them to your toolbox, 
and please give it a go. It may help you as it's helped me. Another new thing I've learned about, which has been a great help in understanding who I was and who I'm becoming, as well as finding out things about myself I had forgotten, as I'd pushed aside the real me, this is known in person-centred counselling as the organismic self. That is the real you, the one who was born. The second is the self-concept and is related to who we think we are or how we think people see us. This happens with conditions of worth that are imposed on us by other people, e.g. If I don't cry, he she won't get angry with me. Or Dad says big boys don't cry. These two parts of the self are used in person-centred counselling as opposed to CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, which is about the thoughts and feelings you have and how we deal with them. I became the front that I created to protect myself and my family because I thought people saw me as weak and an easy target. During our lives, we move backwards and forwards between the two selves, organismic and the self-concept, depending on our emergency survival reaction, fight, flight or freeze. For instance, I'd forgotten about how creative I am. I've written songs, poems, I enjoy drawing. And during the counselling, it remind me of, reminded me of this gift, which I'm using more and more all the time. I'm enjoying it. I'm also enjoying learning again, such as the podcast, blog, recording and producing songs. So on the whole, at the moment, I've got to say life's pretty good. So that's me halfway through my counselling sessions and I feel better. My family's noticed it too, which also gives me a boost, as they are what's most important to me. So, you're up to date on how counselling is going. If you're thinking about taking counselling, especially for abuse, my personal recommendation would be, do it. You owe it to yourself to get the help that is available and help to stop suffering the recurring thoughts that come with the abuse and the trauma associated with it. Always remember, you did nothing wrong. You did not ask for it, nor did you give permission for it to be done to you. Get the help available. Trust me when I say this. You will be believed, you will be listened to, and you will be supported. Until the next episode, stay safe, stay strong, thanks for listening, and goodbye for now.